Blog Talk Radio. Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. All right, everyone, welcome to Modern Love Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Brenda, and I'm excited tonight because we're going to talk about Love at First X. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about you and your ex or in my case, excess. And you may have some excess as well. Our guest tonight is Grace Fraga, who wrote the book, Love at First X, a self-help edition. And she calls it a practical guide on how to deal with the post-breakup aftermath, or maybe this is some kind of bloodbath, depending on your situation. Now, Grace is a comedian, so it's going to be a fun show tonight. She describes herself as a truly assimilated American girl with hair by Clairol, boobs by Victoria's Secret, and body by McDonald's. A proud Latina, she's been called the Margarita Mama, and she's fueled by hot sauce flashes. This bilingual, award-winning actress, writer, producer has appeared on national TV, NBC, A&E, CBS, Discovery Channel, Animal Planet, we'll have to talk about that, VH1, Court TV, Univision, and Telemundo. So... She's going to talk about Love at First Acts, a self-help edition. It's a raw look at the emotional roller coaster of heartbreak. And if you haven't been on it, you haven't been living. Welcome to the show, Grace Fraga. Hello, Grace. Hi. How are you? I'm so happy to be on the show. Thank oh, you for inviting me. Soy muy excita porque es una topic muy interesante para mí. So I'm very interested in this topic. <laughs> So we're going to do this in Spanglish. <laughs> in Spanglish, and that's all I speak. You're right. Just that's Spanglish. Awesome. Yeah, I love to inflict my Spanglish on people because it gives me a chance to practice. And every now and then, someone will be kind enough to correct me and go, "You know, you just said something like whatever." So, Grace, tell us about you. What led you to write Love at First X? And feel free, since you are a comedian, to just cut loose. Okay, good. <laughs> Thank you for giving me artistic license. That's that's great. Uh, well, let me tell you, um, I um, had two breakups in ten months. Oh, ow! And yes, yes, and one was a major relationship, and the other one was a rebound guy. So it it was uh, a little rough. So the way I dealt with it was to sit down and write about it. Um, and I figured it's going to help other people, and it's going to help me, and it did. Um, so that's how it all started. And, I, of course, I did a lot of research because, you know, I, I'm not a psychologist, but uh, I, I think as a comedian I qualify as relationship expert because that's what we do. <laughs> you know, we talk about relationships and, and make light of, of drama and of pain. So, um, so I think... Uh, 
you know, we, we qualify. I think comedians immediately are relationship experts. Okay, so hit us with your best ex joke. I've got to hear it. Oh my gosh, don't. Uh, you know, when. <laughs> put me on the spot. <laughs> okay, you're off well, the spot I, now. When you're ready, let it rip. <laughs> I will I will definitely do that. I now, don't know how dirty where did you I grow up? You say you're a truly assimilated American girl, and you grew up in the States. Where did your family hail from? Well, my family, actually, I came from Argentina. My family uh, is, I'm three-quarters Italian and a quarter Spanish. So they, I'm, depending on the family side, I'm second to fourth generation. Mm-hmm. So, but my grandparents uh, spoke Italian, and they were very Italian and, and very expressive. And, of course, when you're in a an Italian family, your private life is really public life because oh, your God. whole family knows what's up. Oh, my God. So, yeah, so you're going to grow up like just talking about everything because they were going to know anyway whether you talked about your private life or not. The, they were going to gossip about it, and eventually everybody was going to know. So I figured I'll just save them the gossip part and just, like, expose my life. So that's why I think I learned to be open about relationships. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right. So for you, the road to love has been rocky like it is for so many of us. Why do you think that is the case? Well, I think that the way is rocky because every relationship, I find from personal experience and for other people too, that uh, every relationship makes you find something out about yourself, whether it's an issue that you have to work on or whether it's a flaw or whether it's uh, a little quirk. There are things that if you were not in that relationship, you would not find out about these quirks or flaws or issues. Uh, that's that's why I think it's so hard uh, because two people suddenly are trying to make a relationship work and then all these quirks and craziness comes out. And so not only do you have to work on yourself, but you have to work on those quirks <laughs> into the relationship or those flaws into the relationship. And yeah. I think that's what makes it really tough. But that's a great insight because what you're saying is, the way I like to put it, when I talk to people in seminars or whatever about relationships, I say relationship is a mirror. Yes. Pick up the mirror and take a look. You're not going to see your partner as much as we want to say it's the other person. There's something in us that needs work, something in us that we need to see. Yes. So you're saying yes. Oh, good. Absolutely. And and I find that each relationship, in each relationship, I learn something about myself. And the harder the relationship was, the, the more troubled and the more dramatic the the harder the issue I had to work with was, like issues of abuse. I, I was with an emotional abuser, and I had to work my own on my own issues of abuse. But if I would have never dated this person, those issues would have been still hidden, and I wouldn't have confronted them. So I think that some relationships are there for us to learn something and to work on something, 
and others are just to have fun. To be honest, some relationships are way easier than others. Yeah, yeah. Some are way easier, and most people, when they get in the way easier one, get bored because (laughs) most of us know we want to grow. We really want to grow. We want to put our feet in the fire, get toasty hot, and go, okay, I'm cooking. What is it I'm going to learn here? So I'm glad that you're looking at that. Now, everybody, you know, this is all about you learning what is useful to you. So if you want to join the conversation, if you have questions for Grace and I, call us, go old school. The number is 347-989-0776. or hit us back on Facebook or Twitter. It's Dr. Brenda Wade. So, Grace, in your estimation, what is the most important thing you have learned from that hardest relationship? Wow, that's a hardcore question, but um, I think that um, I actually learned to, um, to confront hardcore issues and to look for healing rather than to blame the other person. And and that's what we all do in the beginning when that issue pops, the issue that we have to work on pops. We're like, oh, well, it's because of you that this came out or because of you. And then you realize, no, it's not about the other person. It's really about you and what you have to work on in yourself. So that's what I learned the most, not to blame others for my own issues, hmm. which I think is a human thing to do because it's so much easier to blame others. Oh, you're you're abusive, so hey, it's your fault that this is not working, and it's your fault that I'm not feeling good about this relationship or good about myself. But it wasn't about the other person. The other person just brought out something that was in me that I really had to resolve and heal. So if you're with somebody who's an abuser and they are, in fact, abusing you, what is it you need to learn? Well, the hardest thing to do, I believe, is, first of all, not to feel sorry for yourself, which is the first reaction. I remember that was my first reaction. Why me? And the second one is not to become an abuser because they're abusing you, which is another route. So you can go the depression route and blame yourself and be, why me, why me? Or you can go the other route and just be as abusive as the other person, which I that's unacceptable to me. I'd rather have the why me, why, than do the other. Okay, so in that situation, having worked with a number of people who chose abusive relationships, when we scratch the surface, it's been my experience, I want to see if this resonates for you, sure. that under the choice of an abuser, there are usually three things. First and foremost, there's a childhood experience that says, hey, I felt abused in some way as a child, whether it was physical, emotional, mental. I didn't feel valued. I didn't feel heard. So, or loved. And so I choose somebody who treats me the way, and this is the key, everyone, from where I sit. 
I choose someone who treats me the way my family treated me or the way I came to believe I deserved to be treated. Is that your experience too, Grace? I'm just curious. I believe that on some kind of unconscious level, that was probably a feeling of familiarity. Like, this is familiar to me. This reminds me of my comfortable and uncomfortable at the same time. But I think unconsciously we choose. This is my my personal opinion uh, as as a survivor and as a um, and somebody who dated an abuser. I think unconsciously I picked this person without knowing he was an abuser, obviously. But I think unconsciously I saw it on some kind of level, and it was my opportunity to heal. And I felt maybe at some unconscious and spiritual level that that was going to be the only way I was going to deal with my issues of Mm -hmm. abuse. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this makes any sense. Totally. It it brought it to the surface. Now it's not subconscious. You know, we have that part of us that we can't see, but we see it if we look at the patterns in relationships. We see it if we look at how we feel on a regular basis. And you think, why am I feeling this way? Why am I seeing this pattern? Well, that would be the subconscious revealing itself. The other side of it, Grace, that you're speaking to is if you look at the relationship and say, I'm not here to blame the other person, something in me chose this person. What the heck was that? Then you get the chance to grow and transform it. Absolutely. And let me tell you, uh, it's, the growing pains, so to speak, were, oh, wow, I, I just couldn't believe the emotional, psychological, and spiritual pain. Even physical, it transferred into the physical realm because I was getting sick all the time. My wow. immune system was, yes, and I asked a doctor, as a matter of fact, and when you are going through emotional havoc, you, your body is focusing on all that mess. And it doesn't take care of the, the functions, like your immune system doesn't yes, take of care course. of that function. Yeah. Because, yeah. listen, for those who don't know, let me just throw this out there. You know, my personal mission is to cut the divorce rate by one million by the end of 2020. And the number one cause of claims to health care plans are people going through breakups, wow. divorces. They do make you sick because you are so freaking stressed out. So one of the Mm -hmm. things you talk about in your book is to find a breakup style that's right for you. (laughs) So how do you do a breakup that isn't going to make you sick and maybe is a better way to do it? That's a great question. Um, It's very hard to have one style that works all the time, it really depends on also who you're dealing with and the type of relationship that you have with that person. You know, like I say in my book, if you are dating an abuser or a psychopath, then then definitely lie. Um, You do not want to confront a psychopath and call them what they are or the emotional abuser because I've done that and all it is is it angers them. So Gasoline on a fire. Yes. Oh, it's it's useless. And besides, because these people are usually narcissistic, talking about the mirror, 
they see themselves the way they want to see themselves, not the way that they really are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so those people, I always say, just go ahead and lie. <laughs> Don't even say the word psycho or abused. Just run. Okay. Um, if it's, if it's something, sometimes relationships just don't work because you're not compatible. There's nothing uh, that angers you or angers the other person. There's n- no major betrayal of trust. It's just it's not working out. You're not feeling it. And in that case, I would say, you know, break up in person. Please do that. Do not break up in text. And I'm guilty of doing that, okay? I'm just saying all these things I say is because I've done them. Yeah, breaking and, up by text, big no-no. Uh, Unless email? you don't feel safe. If you don't feel safe with the person, you know, they get the text and end of story. Oh, now, absolutely. Now, you also talk about the coping with the grieving stages of breaking up. Now, everybody knows it's really hard and it's really painful. What are the coping stages? Well, what I found is that the stages of breakup, the the grieving stages of breakup of a breakup were the same as when somebody dies because it is a partial death. It's it's something that you thought was gonna go somewhere and it didn't. Um it's uh, I, I think the best thing you can do, um, you know, you're gonna go through of course the anger and the sadness. It's gonna be a roller coaster of anger and sadness. I find that talking to your friends about it, people that you can trust, and also taking care of yourself and focusing on you in a in a healthy way, not in a narcissistic way. Do stuff that you want to do. If you always wanted to, uh, I don't know, do stand-up comedy, go ahead and take that class. Do things that make you get away from you staying home and, and, and just crying and thinking about it all the time and obsessing over it. Do stuff for you. Do things that make you feel good. So that's what I would say, you know, to people is, yes, go through that roller coaster because you do need to have those feelings there, but don't dwell on them. And the way to do it is just by going out, talking to your friends, doing things that you want to do that give you, make you happy Give you some energy, yeah. So it's almost like uh, one of the things I like to offer people along these lines, Grace, because I agree with you, is you make an appointment with yourself and your pillow and your teddy bear, whatever it is, and you (laughs) roll up in a ball on your bed and you cry your heart out. Mm -hmm. And after you've cried, you sit down and write out whatever you've learned so far from the breakup, learned about yourself, and then you go have fun. I love it. Yes, you do need those good cries and good. Sometimes I feel like when we have a good cry, we have insight of things that if we weren't crying, we would not have them. It's like all, right. all of a sudden you have yeah. like a moment of brightness. It's exactly, like because you get it out. Now, I've got to move yes. quickly here because I have to ask you, how do you deal becoming friends with your ex. You talk about that in the book. <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. I call um, my my ex-husband more of a hex than an ex. I'm sorry to say it. <laughs> really? <laughs> Not really. Well, I'm saying it. I felt that way at the beginning, but I have worked it through, and I now recognize he did the best he could, and, yeah. you know, it's just all that he had to offer. 
Absolutely. Sometimes that's the case, uh, and you and you need more. Um, I think as long as your ex is not toxic, you can definitely become friends with them. Of course, like the abuser, I've, I I cannot be friends with them. There's no way because no. it's just we're in two different levels of if somebody humanity. emotionally and everybody listen carefully to Grace. This is really important. If you broke up with someone who is emotionally, verbally, God forbid, physically abusive, mm. your job is to run to the nearest good qualified therapist or seminar or and of course you can check mine out not just because i want you to come you don't have to come to mine but find somebody who's qualified who's got seminars or a group you can join and really work on healing your own self-love and don't try to be friends with somebody who is as grace said very wisely is toxic because it just keeps you in the same toxic loop and a lot of times People who are abusive want to be friends with you, then they don't feel so bad about themselves. So, Grace, oh, yes. what about dealing mm-hmm. with your ex's new relationship? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I have one ex that I stay in touch with. Um, I was married to him uh, for a long time, and I feel like if I'm with someone new, they have to accept that I might be talking to this person because they have to trust me that I'm not talking to this person, my ex, to go back to him, but because I am friends with him. And there's actually a couple of them that I'm really good friends with. Um, And I feel like if I'm with someone and they are jealous that I speak to my exes, then there might be issues of, again, a little bit of abuse because I found out that the guy that was emotionally abusive was extremely jealous of anybody that would come near me and would try to isolate me. So I would see it a little bit as a red flag if somebody definitely doesn't want me to talk to my exes. Right, right. So got to get this question in. When, if ever, should you go back to your ex? Very interesting. That can happen. And uh, let me tell you, as a comic, I'm always uh, looking uh, in the audience and asking questions. And uh, lately I've found a couple of people that were like, hey, we were married and now uh, you know, we got divorced and now we want to get back together. And they looked very happy in both instances. I think sometimes what happens is let's say you meet somebody when you're really young and you still are not you haven't worked through certain issues and you don't know exactly what you want, and then that relationship doesn't work out. So you separate. Then let's say 10, 15 years later, you both worked on your issues, you're better people, you know what you want, and you find out, hey, you know, we still love each other and we can actually give it another shot. So it all depends on... But you said the key word. Key word was... You've worked on your issues. If it's the same old, same old, and mm-hmm. nobody's done any work or growth, I'd be cautious. I'd be cautious, yes. everybody. Grace is saying, hey, you've worked on it. It's gotten better. Now, Grace, what is the best piece of advice you would give somebody who's thinking about breaking up? Ooh. Wow. Um, I would say... 
sit down and whether in your head or on a piece of paper, just think about why you want to break up uh, on different levels. I would say think about it, first of all, your heart. If, if your heart's still in it, then your emotions. Like what kind of emotions are you feeling? Because that's, to me, the heart and the emotions are barometers, very important barometers of what's going on. Because intellectually, we can intellectualize whatever we want and we can convince ourselves of whatever we want to believe. But the heart and the emotions never lie. If something makes you feel uncomfortable and you can't put your finger on it, or if somebody in your, something in your heart is saying, hmm, I'm not with this person and I'm not feeling it, I, I don't know why, just those are barometers. And just after you figure out that your heart and your emotions are not in sync with that person or something is going on, then you can intellectualize and and maybe find out why the relationship is not working. Or yeah, and I'll put a plug in right here, Grace. Mm-hmm. Something's not working. My own experience is go get qualified help. Now, once again, I got to give you the hard fact: fifty yes. percent of marriages can be saved if people will just do premarital coaching. And if you're married or in a committed relationship and you hit a snag, and thank God anybody who wants to get married now can get married, yay for marriage equality. Yes. If you are married and you hit a snag, if you get help, again, I say qualified. When I say qualified, I mean somebody who is a relationship expert. Not yeah. somebody who just happens to be a therapist who sees couples, but somebody who actually is certified and specializes in working with couples. And one of the ways you know they're good is they don't sit and talk to you about your feelings. They look at the patterns that you brought with you from your childhood, and they give you tools you can use. Because before you leave, even if you end up breaking up, if you work on it, you'll be better prepared your next relationship, which brings me to my last question, Grace. <laughs> You've got a whole section in your book about how do you get ready for the next relationship? Yes, how you get ready. Well, I'd say to get ready for the next relationship is make sure that you worked on the issues to the point, on your issues to the point where you are very sure that those issues are not going to interfere with your next relationship. For example, if I know, I noticed that now in when I started a relationship, which I am in kind of one. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna get Whoa, into it, I am kind of in one. Okay, great. Kind of. I wish we had a lot more time to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, uh, whenever I feel that pattern of behavior that was not positive coming on or interfering in my interaction with that person, I immediately stop and say, hey, this is what's going on. I'm repeating the pattern. I am just putting it aside and putting it in the trash can because it's not a good behavior. Bye, Felicia. And I'm able, <laughs> I'm able to catch that so much earlier than before. Well, before I would act it out, 
and then I'll be like, wow, what was that? <laughs> now yeah, I know yeah, the yeah. So for you, on. you're really looking at, before I get involved in the next relationship, you know a lot of people race from one relationship to the next because you don't want to feel yeah. the loneliness, the pain, the sadness, the anger, the hurt, whatever it is. Yeah. No, slow down, take a breath, hit pause, and give yourself a chance to say what I always give people, I, you know, this is how... I roll when I'm working with couples or working with people. Give yourself three questions. Number one, what part of me needs work? Number two, what mm. did this relationship, and Grace talked about this earlier, give me a chance to learn about myself? And best of all, how am I going to choose somebody who's different? So I want to recommend that you run and pick up this book by our guest, Grace Farraga, who has to say, Love at First X, a self-help edition. It's a practical guide on how to deal with the post-breakup aftermath. Grace, thank you so much for joining us. Really, really appreciate your wisdom and your humor and your honesty about yourself. And we have all been on that breakup train And it doesn't have to be a train wreck that you repeat over and over. If you just work on you, everybody, that's what modern love is all about. We get busy and we learn better. We learn better, we do better. So coming up on July 7th, we have Mark Hamilton who will be our guest talking about becoming a money magnet. Now, if you don't want to effortlessly magnetize more money into your life, don't bother listening. But I have a feeling most people would like to change their relationship with money. So join us. Big, huge shout-out and thank you to our producer, LeGrand Green, who is also the host of our sister program, Bold. And you can tune in to Bold and hear LeGrand rock out as the host as well as producer. And big shout-out to our associate producer, Cliff Dunning. Thank you, Cliff. Thank you, LeGrand. Thank you to our guest, Grace Fraga. And thank you to all of you, our Modern Love audience members. I love you. Blessings, everybody.